Welcome to the podcast, And the Church Said. This podcast discusses faith, mental health, church, and culture from a Christian counseling perspective. I am Dr. Monique Smith-Gadson, and I am your host for this podcast. Consider me your church counselor and consultant who is discipling the body and the members in mental, emotional, relational, and spiritual health. I am trained in both psychology and theology. We are equipped and equipping for the work of the ministry. Although I am a licensed clinician, this podcast is not intended to serve as therapy. We strongly encourage you to seek out your own personal relationship with a professional therapist. This applies also to our special guests who have opinions and professional insights and expertise of their own. Their contribution is also not to be regarded as therapy. Our aim here is to hold conversation around those important topics regarding the church and mental health. So thank you for joining us for this episode. Hello, everyone. So glad to have you join us on today. All right. So today we have a very special guest with us today. We have Ms. Lisa Fields with us, and I'm so excited to talk with her today, y'all. So Lisa, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Thank you for having me, Monique, or should I say Dr. Gasson? Ah, Monique is good. <laughs> I appreciate that, though. Yes, thank you for being here. Um, I, oh, my goodness. I just, it's so many different places I could start because there's just so much I would love to talk with you about, but I, I'm so happy to be able to reconnect with you. We've done a couple of podcasts together previously. That's me with um, June 3, but I did want you to just introduce yourself to everybody and let everybody know who you are, what it is that you do, and then I'll just pick it up and throw us into conversation from there. Yeah, I'm Lisa Fields, founder and president of the Jude 3 Project, um, based out of Jacksonville, Florida. Um, Jude 3 is an apologetics organization uh, helping um, specifically Black Christians know what they believe and why. And so I've been doing that since uh, 2014. And uh, yeah, it's been a whirlwind since then. Yes, 2014. Oh my goodness, I can't even believe it. Oh. Eight beautiful years. Okay, Grace, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, this is so awesome. Okay, well, yeah, you three, you, you're into apologetics. You do a beautiful job. Um, I love from the point that I've become familiar with you to, you know, what you were doing then to what you were doing now, just seeing those seeds that have just increased and, you know, God's faithfulness to the work that you've been called to do. But yeah, I got to, I had the opportunity, the privilege to sit with you on Ju3's um, podcast and to talk about, um, we talked about um, church hurt and we talked about toxic church spaces, I believe is, is what it, we were, we were talking about. It's been a minute. So, um, but I, I just wanted to kind of start us off talking about how in the work that you do in apologetics, like you never shied away from talking about mental health and bringing that to the table, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking about mental health, emotional health, um, the relational component of all of that as well too. So if you will, just, just talk to us a little bit, a bit about how maybe some people might have seen that being like two separate entities, but how you have been able to really just be able to say, no, these things, you know, work in tangent together, but, um, just sharing with us a little bit about how you've seen apologetics and mental health, um, you know, working hand in hand. 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I, like you said, I do see them working in tandem together, <laughs> uh, specifically because as I was, you know, doing apologetics, I started to notice a reoccurring thing that most people's belief shifts when they shift their beliefs in faith crisis is usually starts with a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. And so if whether a person says they no longer believe in God, uh, whether a person says uh, they don't trust the Bible, if you ask them when is the first time you felt that way, it's usually connected to an emotional or traumatic experience. And so because of that, their thought process is thought process to get to their conclusion is not just intellectual. Mm-hmm. It has emotional, relational um, things that are informing that position. And so as I start saying that you begin to hit a wall with people if you just argue about facts. And so it's more of, as an apologist, you have to, you're not a trained, I mean, some apologists are also trained counselors, but for the most part, most of us aren't, but you have to almost take a position of a counselor or therapist when you're dealing with someone who doubts and listen to them to so you could get to that really triggering point mm-hmm. and then work your way from there versus just arguing with them about the facts. And that to me has been more effective at penetrating the heart. Uh, and so that's, that's why I see them intertwine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that is so true. And I love one of your slogans is less arguments, more compromise, right? Mm-hmm. More compromise. Yeah. And I love that. And you're absolutely right about that. Usually um, there is some traumatic event that does happen and, and, and things um, change in us. Uh, and I mean, they, they should, you know, by right, they really should, but they do change. And I try to help people to understand that, that holistically, you know, yeah, you're, you, something's going to happen spiritually. Something's definitely happening mentally, you know, emotionally, even biologically speaking in our bodies. Like we know this trauma, you know, just lives in our bodies. So um, yeah, I love the way that you, you have recognized that. And you said you have had to almost take that position of the counselor and not just continue to argue with the person, you know, um, about their doubts. I I have sat with people that, um, and I explain it to people, it's almost like if we just let it run its course like a virus, <laughs> you know, like let the person just kind of go on and on and on about why it is that they doubt. Sometimes I think, uh, well, I've experienced where people have come to the end of that and kind of, as you say, then they kind of swing back up, you know, to saying like, oh, okay, well, now that I've kind of hit the rock bottom of why I have doubted, now let me see, you know, what else can I think? And I can see people just kind of do this like swinging back or whatever. Sounds like that's been your experiences as well. Yes. A lot of times when people are, we we do a series called Why I Don't Go, Mm -hmm. let young people vent their frustration. And then you notice that they start questioning their own criticisms. Or saying, you know, I said that, but not everybody's like that, mm-hmm. you know, because they're saying it out loud for the first time with somebody who's actually listening to them. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, it's like you said, that swing, like mm-hmm. that comes back around once they get it out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love how you have, you know, you've landed on this kind of this breakthrough, if you will, um, by in the series that you are talking about, like why I don't go. Would you just even talk a little bit more about that and just kind of reference that for people who may not be familiar? 
Yeah. So why I don't go is a, a video series that we do where I sit down with uh, young adults. The first session we did four, the second session we did five, then no longer go to church. And so um, uh, they, I just essentially let them vent for an hour about what frustrates them, why they don't go to church, would they go back, you know, all of the the experiences around church for them, their questions. And then for the second hour, we just kind of try to answer questions in the in the best way we can, you know, spot on. It's kind of hard sometimes, but it's also hard because you're thinking about all the trauma that goes along with the question they're asking. So mm-hmm. that's that's a little bit about kind of what what we do in a nutshell with that series. Mm-hmm. And and I love that if you do provide those spaces, you know, safe spaces where they are free from the judgment and the criticism, you know, it's just an opportunity to just be expressive. I've just done um, a series just talking about expressive writing, you know, just journaling and how to research would just even talk about when a person just has that opportunity to just kind of free flow with their thoughts, you know, how it does improve over time, our mental and our emotional well-being. And so, I mean, you're just doing that orally as opposed to writing, but either way, it's that art of expression, it's that opportunity and that ability to be able to express that really can um, make the difference. Will you even just talk about providing that space? Um, And like you were saying, where you see some people do kind of do that swing or circling back and kind of start, you know, saying, well, you know, they come off of being so rigid and so, um, you know, so just die hard on, on their beliefs, but can you talk about any um, opportunities where you've seen it make a difference in terms of somebody's, you know, just overall mental or emotional well-being? Where, um, since you do hit those points of trauma, mm-hmm. and those traumatic experiences that they have, you know, um, lived. Can you just talk about if you've had an opportunity where someone has, you know, talked about how understanding. Um, the the well they don't know that it's an apologetic that's happening but you know just the approach that you're taking how it changed them for the better Mm -hmm. yeah several so one of the guys that participated in the last uh season he actually went to when he went to new york he just went there on a business trip he reached out to rasul who was the pastor that was doing q a and said hey what time does your church start i'm coming and he actually went to church with him on that Sunday and they had dinner afterwards and talked for hours. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, that was really encouraging. And then another girl, <clears throat> she was kind of scared for her father to watch it because she was like, you know, he's in the church and I don't know what he's going to think. But it actually, when he watched it, he was like, I get it. It was like, mm-hmm. I had some of those same questions myself mm-hmm. and that opened up a conversation and a deeper relationship between them so that's encouraging to know that you know sometimes people feel like they can't express things mm-hmm. to their parents that are in church mm-hmm. and that showed her that her dad listening like he heard her and mm-hmm. they were able to build from there yeah oh that's so beautiful and I mean I love how you have just you know, we hear the word like apologetics and sometimes we're thinking like, ooh, you know, it's almost like it's so complicated. Like, I can't do that. But one of the things that you have shown us is that it's really the cornerstones, at least, you know, in these particular projects that you, you're talking about is, uh, is, is, is listening, 
<laughs> like the heart of listening to a person and just being in relationship with them. Mm -hmm. It seems like, I mean, it's just like so basic. Like if we can just be safe people for people to just express their doubts, you know, and to listen to what it is that they're saying, it seems like these are just some of the most simple ways of being, but these have had such big impacts in the lives of people who, you know, stopped going to church for whatever the reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's so beautiful. So um, when you also have talked about the, the um, and I know you were doing, <laughs> you were talking about this back before you, you did the, the series in terms of, um, you know, why I don't go, but when you did talk about church hurt and mm -hmm. talk about the church environments and, um, you know, we have spiritual abuse, you know, we have religious trauma, all of those things that are unfortunately, you know, prevalent and still occurring. You talked about it um, then, I, I think it was like 2018, maybe, or 19 or something when I was on with you um, having that discussion. What are you seeing, you know, in that area now? Do you see, um, any improvements, you know, if so, where, how, just kind of what are your thoughts, you know, about where we are with that now? <laughs> I think honestly, in, in some regard, we're still in the same place in a lot of, you know, you know, there's fringe movements and people doing similar work, you know, mm -hmm. that you are doing and others are doing and Jew 3 is trying to do, mm -hmm. you know, but as far as penetrating church leadership I'm not sure you know maybe you could speak more to this I'm not sure people are as um moved to move on it mm -hmm. usually because sometimes they're abusers themselves mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. to speak on it is to uh kind of bring condemnation on their own life um and then some people think that saying negative things about the church will push people further away when they're struggling with retention in their congregation. Mm -hmm. And so um, I love the way Dr. Christina Edmondson says, there's enough grace for the truth. Yes. And so um, it's, it's, it's frustrating, but I think, you know, as people continue to leave churches and as people struggle in some spaces to get people to come back, they'll kind of be forced to, to make adjustments. Mm hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I do. I do. I do believe that, that we we are going to be in a place where we're going to be forced to make um, those adjustments. I was having a conversation with someone <laughs> not too long ago about even um, emotional intelligence in um, leadership and church leadership, more specifically, <laughs> what we were referring to. Um, and I was saying kind of that point where, you know, people can, you know, I can offer the seminar, the talk, the whatever, people can sit in that and they can listen, you know, to that. They can gather the information, but if they are not willing, ready, or whatever the case may be to allow that to penetrate their being, then you're right. It's, it's like, 
oil and water. Like it's not going to mix. Like it's just going to just, you know, just glide right over, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're absolutely right about that. What do you think? Um, Cause I know the work that you're doing, you know, in terms of, especially with, um, you know, African-American churches, like you say, is more specifically your, your work has targeted, um, you know, this, this population. Mine has to just in terms of just, you know, mental health church, you know, kind of black church. That's kind of where the Lord dropped me. That's where I've been. Um, when you, which uh, let me just go ahead and say, it's disappointing that even from your perspective, you see that we're in the same place. I thought so too, you know, but I was really hoping that maybe the work you've done out there, you'd be like, oh, I'm in strides. And I'm like, great, catch me up. But since that's not the case, it's like, okay, then yeah. So even just, you know, from your perspective and, and the work that you're doing, um, how do you see that looking, you know, um, projected down the road? Like you said, we're going to have to make the adjustments. And, and I, I, and I say yes. And I also say that in addition to like with the pandemic and the effects thereof, we haven't really, I don't think, seen the truth fallout mm-hmm. yet. <laughs> you know, I think that so many people are still in survival mode. I think that so many people are still kind of numb and, you know, still in kind of like a shock <laughs> type of a position, if you will, that I, I don't, I just don't think that we have yet um hit that place where the floodgate has yet mm. opened that one mm-hmm. but so i know that's coming <laughs> but apart from that what you are speaking of how do you see let me let me go back and just make sure i explain that to connect that i'm saying that because like you're saying we're going to be forced to make these adjustments right mm-hmm. but also because i do believe that there's going to be this tsunami you know, that is, that is soon to come in terms of mental and emotional um, issues. And it's definitely going to hit the church. It's going to hit the church very hard. I think it's going to hit the church harder than it, the pandemic itself has hit. So because these adjustments are going to have to be made and to, for us to prepare for things that are soon to come, how do you see, you know, the church needing to prepare for this? Yeah, I think one of the great ways is to assess your church. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of churches depend on data from Barna, uh, mm-hmm. Lifeway, Pew. That's good overarching data. But mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know their church well. And what I mean by that, they have a limited scope because people aren't necessarily honest with church leadership especially about their beliefs, mm-hmm. because especially around apologetics, they have a level of insecurity because they think they should know because they're, they've been in Christianity or in faith all their life. So I think they, there needs to be assessments done, anonymous assessments in churches um, to kind of gather data to see what the church is. And, and, and that I think can even t- talk about church hurt and mm-hmm. all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I think that can help. But I think there there's also going to, for churches, if if they start to think, they, they should start, I think, preparing. Because I think there will continue to be a mass exodus, but I do think they will see new people coming in because people are in such despair, mm-hmm. hopelessness. And it has nothing to do with, I mean, some of it is socioeconomics, 
but there's a disparity that even exceeds the socioeconomic. There's a despair upon the wealthy. There's a despair upon the poor. Disparity has no socioeconomic class. And I think people are looking for places of hope. And I think the church is going to see people, new people come that they haven't seen. But the challenge is the people that are there, that's why I think like the survey is important to survey the people that are there because if, if those people are disgruntled and toxic, then the new people will come for hope, but leave with more despair. Mm-hmm. And so I think those are some things that we could do to kind of help those existing folks become healthy. But before they become healthy, I think us as leaders have to make sure we're healthy. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of toxicity and security in leadership. And some leaders, a lot, I dare say a lot of leaders get into leadership trying to heal themselves by healing others. Mm. Or trying to create the, the healthy church environment they never had but they never got healed from the toxic one they were in. So they just, their their goal of healing that is to create something new. And so they create toxic environments because you you may strengthen the part that you felt was blind Mm -hmm. in the other space, but you forget you have your own blind spots Mm -hmm. that create toxicity in the space you're creating. So yeah, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, 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 yeah. It did. Yeah. <laughs> really eye-opening too. Um, <laughs> yeah, really eye-opening. I know, you know, systemically speaking, being trained in, in marriage and family therapy and therefore systems thinking, um, we understand that, you know, as you say, if you look at a leader, and a leader thinks that he or she goes into just this one space, they don't maybe think about the fact that they bring their other systems and ways of being into that, you know, particular group system, church, if you will. And having to understand how those things do overlap. You know, I think so many times it is the mentality like, you know, well, that's at home or that was in the past, you know, and that was my family and this is the church. And we we kind of compartmentalize and segregate, you know, all of these different entities that we do interact in and fail to understand that place where these things do overlap. Mm-hmm. And how you are saying that is then how this replication of um, the toxic environments, you know, continue to, um, to, to replicate. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, I mean, it's like, I know the answer and I don't know the answer. Cause as you say, it kind of goes back to having to start with the, um, the leadership of the church. What have you found that works with church leaders, you know, in order for them to kind of have an aha moment, like, oh, that might be me for real. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I think normalizing mental health is Mm -hmm. important Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then providing resources for mental health um, resources, you know, referring people 
to to platforms. Um, it's funny because even though Jude Three is a woman-led organization, we have a majority male following, uh, and we have. Um, I'm good friends with a guy named Malik Blade who does Whole Brother, mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting. He tells me all the time that men always on the intake form say they heard about him through Jude Three, mm-hmm. and it it just made me cognizant that when men have a place, I guess, for them, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of tailored to their mental health needs. Mm-hmm. People are able, I guess, if they feel like there's a funnel and it's a mm-hmm. not cool place, but I, I, for lack of a better term, a place where other people are going, they yeah. see that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I'm sure you see that, you know, with women, as you talk about mental health, and I'm, but you, you're not limited to women, but I know mm-hmm, there's certain, mm-hmm. like for Malik, he's limited to, to men, mm-hmm. but for you, you do the whole gamut, but when, I'm sure when you do uh, your, your workshops that people kind of from that say, okay, I could do this now. Like, it's mm-hmm. not something that's abnormal, you know, like it's not something that you don't have to be having quote unquote schizophrenia or a bipolar right. disorder to see a therapist regularly. It is routine maintenance, just like you go to check up at the doctor. Mm-hmm. And I think when people see it that way, then they're more, more able to, to go into that. Now I do see leaders like going into thinking about therapy and it being normalized around, especially rest since mm-hmm. like, I remember Dr. Howard John Wesley, when he did, when he took his break, and he was, you know, just transparent about the fact that he needed a break mm-hmm. for his mental health. Mm-hmm. And then I felt like many preachers was like, oh man, because they saw someone they love and respect say they need a break. If it made them feel okay to say they need a break. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things is people with influence championing the work like you're doing that others are doing in the mental health field. I think that helps move past this along and understand mm-hmm. mental health. Now it's still stigma and hard for black older pastors to get. Yeah, I mean it's like pulling teeth sometimes. But for the younger, you you can yeah you can get it. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I I, I yeah you're right about that. <laughs> oh yeah. Stories I could tell. Um, I'm have like a whole flashback, but um whole conversation I had with someone. I was just like wow. But yeah, but you're absolutely right. And I think that that's one of the reasons for me. I like to say, you know, I know it, it sounds like a lot. And I wonder sometimes do people think like, God, do you do like all of that? But I, I want people to understand that when we say mental health, I mean, it can encompass so much. You know, it is the emotional health. It is a person's relation, no health help you know too and um even when I hear you you know just talking a minute ago when you're talking about you know um normalizing it and I even think too probably if we illuminated the relational part of it all the more because mm-hmm. you know what our pastor's doing you know they are or church <laughs> leadership they are having to interact Mm-hmm. You know, they are leading people and they're having to relate to people. And I think that better understanding of self, you know, if you even think about the greatest commandment, you know, love God and love neighbor, you know, as yourself. But if, if self is 
kind of foundational mm-hmm. in those relationships, you know, then it comes right back to that intrapersonal relationship. And mm-hmm. I do believe that maybe um, just as you were saying that I was thinking to myself, like, wow, maybe that's the part I need to illuminate the more, you know, like you say, we do say mental health, it does still have a little bit of that stigma. We do need to normalize it. But I think if we do focus in on the heart of that relational component, you know, the relational mm-hmm. health, you want to be able to, you know, interact with the body and you want to be um, healthy because as you were talking about, you know, toxic leaders create toxic environments. I mean, you're right. It's like you come into the body, you infiltrate the body, mm-hmm. you pollute the body, you know, you, you make the body sick or whatever the case may be, whatever it is that you're carrying with you. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Cause I, I think too, um, just even really focusing in on that relational part and helping people to understand that it's it's under the umbrella of you know mental health but let's just talk about how it is that you are relating to you know the people that the lord has called you to lead so yeah mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that well i know as we kind of get ready to round out the conversation here um what what would be final thoughts like you would want to share? Like, what is it that, well, before I go there, no, no, no. I, I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, would you please talk about the documentary that you are working on that I, I think is soon to be released, but I'll let you give all those details. I did want to give you space to talk about that because I think that this is such a fantastic um, project and I'm so hopeful that people will get behind it and really support it um, financially as well in other ways too so you you might speak about that yeah thank you um so we have a documentary come out coming out called unspoken and it's uh produced by me um and my business partners Don Carey and Chris Lamarck um and we've been working on this for about four years and it's um basically to tell the story of Christianity from Africa to America. And um, it's we're excited because we think it's really going to uh, help dispel the myth that Christianity is a white man's religion. Mm-hmm. And so it should be due out uh, Juneteenth. Okay. Uh, so we're excited about that. Uh, we will have details if you go to Unspoken Movies soon, very soon, where, where you can, where you can watch it. So yeah, I'm very excited. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I am too. I love that. I just, I, I love, I know people may be thinking, well, like, wow, you jump from there to that. But I, just the 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 um, the premise of it, the thesis of it, the unspoken, again, to me, for me, it just goes back to that art of expression, you know, mm-hmm. just being able, and your hope is that it, it dispels this myth that keeps people from the faith, you know, and of course, that's what we're wanting people to, to, to enter into the faith, um, saving faith the gift of everlasting life. So um, it, it does have some serious implications. So that's why I'm definitely, you know, wanting to make certain that people do um, understand that. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Now, if there are any final thoughts that you would like to, you know, share, um, here's an opportunity for you to be able to, to do this. Yeah, uh, I think you you uh, hit it on the head when, at first, um, when you talked about our, our, our um, tagline for courageous conversation more convos less debates that as we do apologetic work we seek to have conversations um that we listen to people um listen to understand not to respond and that we do our due diligence um to be able to answer their questions with grace and truth 
Mm-hmm. You said just simply. <laughs> I can tie it up with a bow. This simply. Yes, it was less debates. I think I said less arguments, less debates. Yes, that that's so beautiful. And when you talk about church, that's the heart of it. Just why are we arguing? Like, let's listen to understand and let's just speak um, with grace and with truth. And there we have church, right? <laughs> there we have church. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. You are um, a breath of fresh air. I'm just so excited about all the work that you are doing and what the Lord has done with you and in you. So I am so, so thankful for you sharing with us on today and giving um, of yourself and sharing your insights um, you know, for us and for the listeners. So you've already mentioned about um, the unspoken movie. Where else can people find you? Um, you know, what information would you like us to make sure that we have? We can list in the show notes for people to be able to follow you and to stay in touch with you. Yeah, um, Jew3project.org. Um, it has all of our socials on there, and you can follow me personally at Lisa V Fields on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All righty. Well, we'll make sure we list all of that in the um, the show notes. And um, yeah, I just pray God's blessings just continue to be upon you and the mighty work that you are doing. You are truly, truly, truly making um, kingdom impact. I had a client, a potential client, called me a few weeks ago. And like Malik, she said, I remember hearing you on June 3. She had an incident, church, kind of a church situation. And she said, I remembered hearing that. And she said, I just can't even tell you how many times I still listen to that particular episode. And I was thinking like, wow. So you're you're making um, serious impact in the lives of the people. So I just um, bless the Lord for you. And I pray that he will continue to keep you and smile upon you and be faithful unto you as you are faithful unto him. So thank you for um, everything that you do. And to our listeners, I know y'all have been blessed with listening to Lisa. Make sure you go follow her, learn from her. She brings some of the best of the best um, to the table to teach us, to inform us, to um, educate us like she's getting ready to do with this documentary as well. So y'all make sure y'all go follow her and listen to her and learn from her and support her work. Do that too. Go ahead and support her work as well. Mm -hmm. But as I always say, until next time, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the spirit says to the churches. And after you have heard um, Elisa's call, which was real simple, and I'm just not even going to touch it again. She, she wrapped it up beautifully and tied it up in a little bow for us. You've heard her call. What will be your response? And the church said, 